0: Our sermon text reading is from Luke 2, verses 8 through 20. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning the child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen, as it had been told them. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
1: Well, one of the reasons why I love Christmas are all the different traditions. I'm sure you've been already practicing some of those traditions even today, and of course tomorrow you will. I remember growing up, one of our traditions, at least in my mind, my, my parents are here, maybe they'll tell me otherwise later on, was, uh, was watching every year uh, the Charlie Brown's Christmas special. Remember that? Uh, it came out in the 60s, and I've been around long enough to remember it many years over and over again. And so last night, I, I told the kids and Kirsten, I said, we've got to watch it. And, you know, I, I was excited about it. They weren't quite as enthralled as I was, to be honest with you. Um, but we did it. And, and my hope is it'll sort of become a, like a new tradition for a new generation in many ways. I mean, what are your traditions, right? And, and what are the things that you love? And, and I remember, in, in in particular, in that show last night, uh, they went through the Luke two passage that we just read. And just a few nights ago, I actually surprised as an early Christmas present, I I took Kirsten to see Handel's Messiah at the Atlanta Symphony. And the primary text there was the same passage that we're looking at tonight. Why is this passage in particular so iconic at Christmas time? And I want to submit to you that it's because love came down. That this passage is primarily about God revealing himself, saying something to us about the nature of what love is and what we're for. And so what I want to do is I just want to take a few minutes and believe me, this is the shortest sermon of the year every year. Uh, but I want to do, I really want to still look at three things. Um, and that is, that is who's is it for? Who's Christmas for? And, and then secondly, what's revealed? And then finally, how do we respond? So in quick order, beginning with who's it for. Now, this story is about the shepherds, right? And who were the shepherds? Well, the shepherds were nobodies. You know, to us as Christians, and if you've been a part of a tradition like this year after year, you think, oh, the shepherds. I mean, the shepherds are sort of like iconic in the story of the birth of Jesus. And yet, in their day and age, they were nobodies. They were blue-collar workers. They were uneducated. And of all the people in the world to reveal himself to first, God chooses nobodies, and so in part, of what I want to say to you tonight is: Who is Christmas for? It's for people without pedigrees. And you know, we live in a world and a day and an age where where you can become famous. You know, now it's truly democratized. If you just have an account on TikTok uh, and you get enough hits, you can you can have a an ounce of fame for at least fifteen minutes. And and you can build a pedigree around achievements in the workplace, in finance, and of course in in sports. And and there's power to be had in the political realms. And we love pedigrees. We love achievements. Those are the sorts of people that we're attracted to. But who is God attracted to? And it's it's remarkable to a a, a teenage girl named Mary and soon-to-be husband Joseph, right? The shepherds in the fields watching their flocks, right? Jesus comes for nobodies. In other words, and, and yes, the, later on there's the Magi, the educated folk. Um, and and uh, whether we come from, a, uh, from an educated background, and many of us do, I realize, or not, the key that for, you need to hear at Christmas is it comes from anyone who recognizes an inner spiritual poverty. Poverty does not, of a spiritual kind, does not recognize pedigree. And God is not attracted to the things on the outside the way we are. But the story of Christmas is that God is attracted to those who recognize their spiritual poverty. But there's a second group, and it's really the same group, because it's all of us as well. And who's Christmas for? It's for those who are fearful. The word here, it says, by the shepherds, when the angel appears in all of its luminous glory, the word there is megaphobeo, which means great fear, phobia. They were terrified, friends. I mean, this wasn't just like, oh, this is disconcerting. They were terrified. And I think in many ways, we can identify with that as well. Because if you think about the last three years, think about all the years since COVID, especially. Now I can say that. Just a couple years in, later on, uh, think about all the different things that we've been through, right? Think about the fear that you feel politically, um, uh, of course, health-wise. Uh, Think about, and one of the, I've heard someone say that that fear is actually not as much about um, about something emotional as it is about feeling out of control. It's fear of the unknown is another way to put that. And if you think about your life, some of you are parents tonight, because I see lots of kids, so there better be a lot of parents in here as well. And, you know, there's something about parenting, and now that I'm parenting three teenagers, I can tell you this firsthand. There's something about parenting that is quite fearful, because our kids are not things to control. They're not programs. And we try our best, and we hope the best for them. But at the end of the day, uh, we're powerless to control what decisions, what choices they make. That creates fear. Uh, for some of you, it, it's your finances tonight. You know, it's like, how am I, I going to uh, pay for the things I just bought? Uh, or it's not about Christmas. It's all year long in the finances. For some of you, it's in your marriage. For some of you, it's not about that at all. It's about your health. Right? These are all things that you are powerless to control. That is the source of fear. And I want to even dig a little bit deeper into that in in the story of the shepherds here because what's foisted upon us is the issue of of will we trust what we can't control? And God is one of those. I see a lot of kids, and so let me just say something to you tonight. Have you ever been fearful? Yeah, I see a lot of nodding. Yeah, like, is the dark something that you fear sometimes? Yeah? Some of you are like, no, not me. No, not me. Well, maybe occasionally you're fearful of the dark. Uh, but what happens in those situations? What do you do as a, as a child? You look for mom and dad, right? And what do mom and dad do uh, when you are in fear? They console you. They wrap their their large and, and generous arms around you and they hold you tight. And what do they say to you? It's going to be okay. I want you to think about the story of the shepherds, not just the kids now, but also as, also us as adults. What was, what was the angel? What were the angels saying to, to the shepherds in the flocks, with their flocks in the fields? It's going to be okay. You see, you see, the story of Christmas isn't the promise that we'll be free from conflict. There's plenty of conflict to come in our lives. Just because Jesus has come doesn't mean that cancer won't come as well. Just because Jesus has come it doesn't mean that there won't be financial woes in our life. Just because Jesus has come doesn't mean that there won't be uh, loneliness in our singleness or loneliness within our marriage. But what it does mean is that if Jesus is true, if Christmas is true, that in the midst of our fear, in the midst of our brokenness, in the midst of our calamity and our chaos and our discombobulation, is a story that says you can have peace in the midst of that. That these fears don't have to control you is the story of Christmas. And so it's for for anyone who recognizes inner spiritual poverty, for anyone who says, I feel fearful, the same message, do not fear, for Christ has come. But here's the second thing, and that is what has been revealed. And there are two things about that I want to say very quickly here. And that is that God has revealed Himself in two ways. First is humility. You see, the story of, of God taking on flesh and coming to a bunch of shepherds in the field is a remarkable one because of the backdrop at that time. Luke tells the story, it begins in Luke chapter 1, where it says, In the years of Caesar Augustus. Now, who was Caesar Augustus? Caesar Augustus was the first true emperor of the Roman Empire. And as the first true Roman emperor, he, for the first time ever in Roman history, was worshipped as a son of God. Wow, that sounds familiar. And so here's Augustus being worshipped, and Augustus in all of his glory and all of his power puts it on display for the nations by crushing them and by giving favor to those who are looking for political favors. But what does this story tell us? On whom his favor rests, and how does he come? I think sometimes that the story of Jesus taking on flesh, being swaddled in claws, as Jim read, being placed in a manger, it doesn't shock us the way that it should. That God would come and what does he display? Humility. It's remarkable to me that from glory to dirt, from infinity to infancy, from the creator of the cosmos to the woodworking of tables, this is Jesus. And it says that he is Lord. And the word there for Lord is the same word that was used of Caesar as, as a great emperor. What what Luke is telling us is that there's a different empire. There's a shadow emperor, there's the true emperor. Who's the true Lord and who's come in his humility, but then secondly, it says that he comes with favor. What does the angel say? On whom his favor rests. Religion, by definition, is saying, I want to look favorable to the God or to the gods. But only Christianity says it's God who condescended kind of and came down to us to give us favor for those of us who don't deserve it, for those of us who haven't achieved in the world, for those of us who haven't delivered our own salvation, which is all of us. And what God says to you, to me, is I'm prejudiced. But I'm not prejudiced against you. I'm prejudiced for you. And at Christmas time, love has come down in the form of a prejudice. He says, to you who have inner spiritual poverty, to those of you who have been cut off from me, to those who are broken, I want to give love. I want to bring you back in. I want to offer you peace in the midst of your fear, in the midst of your anxiety. And what we see in the person of Jesus incarnate, Emmanuel, God with us, as we sang just a few minutes ago, is God who chooses to reveal Himself in His vulnerability, in His humility, in His grace. Our world doesn't look for people like that to celebrate. We certainly don't look for saviors like that. But this is how God has come down. And what I want to say in close here is that to this God who comes in humility and grace, there's a certain way that we can respond. And I suggest that there might be two types of people, if you will, in here tonight. There's some of you who'd say, uh, if I did believe in miracles, it would be the fact that I'm here tonight. That might be the first miracle I could ever believe in because you weren't raised in a church. You're only here perhaps for some other reasons. First of all, I want to say welcome. I'm so glad that you are here. We say at City Church, a place that you can belong before you believe. A place where you can experience welcome in order that you might experience the welcome of God. But to you, I want to say that, I, that in a sense, Christmas is a claim upon your life. That when God took on flesh, he made a claim about how the world was supposed to be and how the world will be made one, remade one day in the future. This is a promise given to us. It's a promise given to you. And what would it look like to have the same response here that the shepherds did? Because it says toward the end of the text that the shepherds went out to, to find him. It said they went to see what they had just heard. Is it true? And then of course, they found him. What would it look like to seek him as a person who seeks truth? What would it look like uh, to ask this question? Look, I know that there are hypocrites in the church, you might say. Look, I know what the world says about Christianity. But for you to say, I want to know for myself, is it true? And the second part is what Mary says here, or what Mary does. She ponders. And the word there means to contemplate. It means to take stock of. And I want to suggest to you, what makes the most sense of the world is not the world's telling of how the world was supposed to be, apart from faith, apart from religion, but that we're made for a relationship with God. And that's primarily what Christmas is about. And so what would it look like for you tonight to leave here asking the question, could it be true? But to many of you in here, you're saying, I I believe this is the true story. This is what God has designed the world to be and how he's remaking the world. It was through Christmas. So what is our response? It's twofold. Number one is to glorify him. The angels, it says, glorify God. And then the then the shepherds in the fields glorify Him in return. What would it look like to leave here tonight saying that worship is more than about Sunday mornings? But it's about life between the Sundays, as we like to say around here. What does it look like to glorify Him in our lives? You see, if you want to say that you're a Christian, part of how you need to answer the question, do I belong to Him, is how you live your life between the Sundays. It's one thing to come into a place of worship on a Christmas Eve service or on a Sunday Sunday. And to sing the songs, to sing the carols, that's a great tradition. We should do it. But it's another thing to live our lives as if he is Christ the Lord. To live our lives as if he did redesign the world by coming and taking on flesh at Christmas time. Because the promise of the Advent season, the season leading up to the time of Christmas morning, is the promise that he did come, but he's coming again. And one day, no more tears. No more sorrow. The whole world fully and finally, the whole cosmos, the creator of the cosmos, who stooped down to create wooden tables as a carpenter, one day will completely reshape and rework the wood of this world. And so what would it look like to live our lives in life that? Worship is more than our, our songs on a Sunday morning. It's how we live our lives out in our sexuality, in our finances, in our ethics, in our relationships. Christmas is more than just about one day a year. Christmas is an everyday event for us if you're a follower of Jesus Christ because Jesus Christ has come. He is Lord. And so may you be blessed this holiday season. May you enjoy your traditions tomorrow morning. But may you worship the Savior child, Jesus Christ incarnate. And may you continue to worship him beyond simply tomorrow Christmas Day. Let me pray for us. Father, we thank you for uh, the gift of yourself, Jesus. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that even as we worked through last week in the message, uh, that you have come to bring us, to reshape us into the image of Christ. Jesus, we thank you that by taking on flesh, you you revealed your heart to us. A heart of humility, a heart of grace, a heart of love. Jesus, we live in a world today that's full of acrimony, contentiousness, hatred, and anger and fear. Lord, I pray that, that the church of Jesus Christ, whether here in America or scattered around the world, globally, the Christian family would respond to a contentious world, a world full of conflict, with a story of good news, of good tidings of joy for all people, as the text is said. That we who have received peace would be peacemakers and reconcilers to the world. And so it may be between the Sundays that we worship you and how we live our lives. And may we practice Christmas all year long. But tonight, tonight, we celebrate here on the eve of Christmas that Jesus Christ's love came down and took on flesh. And has forever changed the story of humanity, the story of the cosmos. So it may be for us individually, it may be for us collectively. Thank you, Jesus, for the peace. Through yourself you've given us, through the cross and the empty tomb. We pray this in the name of Jesus, our Redeemer, Emmanuel. Amen.
2: This is a scripture reading from Micah, chapter 5, verses 2 through 5. But you, O Bethlehem, Ephrathah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah... For now he shall be great to the ends of the earth, and he shall be their peace. And now, a scripture reading from Luke chapter 2, 4 through 7. Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
3: Yeah. Mm-hmm. The cattle are lowing, the baby awakes, the dawn of salvation beginning to break. I love Thee, Lord Jesus, O we'll gift from above, the we'll key. Let's together. will come forward they will start lighting your candles as we sing Silent Night Yeah. Uh-huh. and over his kingdom, to establish it and to uphold it with righteousness and justice from this time forth and forevermore.
0: The scripture readings from John, chapter one, verses nine through fourteen. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory. Glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. This is the Word of the Lord. Thanks Thanks be to God.
3: Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her King. Let every heart be there with proof. And to let nature sing, and to let nature sing. i sure. You guys crushed
1: it tonight. <laughs> Serious, that was awesome. Yeah, you would clap, but you got you know, candles in your hands, so that's okay. Hey, uh, I want to just say something real quick before I give you the benediction. Uh, we have friends tonight from the Village Church of East Atlanta. And uh, I just want to say welcome, guys. Some of you are in the worship team. Others were readings, and you're scattered here in the congregation tonight. It was a real joy to have uh, some combined worship together. And so really grateful that you guys joined us here on Christmas Eve. Well, I'm really excited now to give you the benediction. Benediction literally means the good word. It's a blessing upon your life. And it's a blessing not for you just simply because it's Christmas Eve, not because tomorrow is Christmas Day, because the Lord wants to bless your life every day. And so may you go out with blessing. May the Lord be kind. May he cause his face to, to shine upon you. May you go out with his blessing tonight to glorify the Lord and to sing his message, joy to the world, for the nations. May you be blessed. Merry Christmas. Yes. Good night.